Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Crushing Real Estate with Brian Pham, where we interview real estate professionals around the industry. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a very positive review. We release an episode every single Sunday, so stay tuned. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Crushing It in Real Estate. This week we have Jamie. Jamie, we're super excited to have you on the show. Can you introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Brian. My name is Jamie Tian. I'm with Rodeo Realty, and I'm a real estate agent in Los Angeles and Orange Counties. Um, yeah, so I specialize in residential real estate, and um, mm. I do a lot of luxury real estate, but I have a pretty big price range as well. Right now, mm. I'm working on listings from 350000 all the way up to $16 million. Holy moly, that's amazing. How long, how long have you been in real estate for? Um, so I've been in the business for about eight years. I started in 2000, towards the end of 2012. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually 20 years old at the time. I was at UCLA and I was doing my undergrad studying environmental science. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also working at a law firm part-time just like as a legal assistant for a couple of attorneys and applying mm-hmm. and applying for law school at the time. So um, once I finished my law school applications, I kind of like I just wanted to get into real estate. I'd always been interested in real estate. I loved watching Million Dollar Listing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I grew up in Irvine, but I had gone to UCLA and I was surrounded by Beverly Hills and Bel Air and Homeby Hills and all these amazing properties. And I would watch the, uh, I would watch the agents selling the homes on TV and I'd like drive by the open houses. I'm like, this is right mm-hmm. outside my front yard. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, I'm going to get my license just for fun and see what happens. Maybe I can do a dealer here on the side, you know, mm-hmm. or part-time during law school. So I got my license and I kind of just dove right into it. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I joined Rodeo Realty and I closed a couple of deals before I graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time I had, you know, been accepted to law school and that was the plan. But a couple of weeks before law school started, I just decided I really wanted to do full-time real estate mm-hmm. and give it a try. So here I am now, eight years later. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, it's it's pretty crazy how like life gives life gives you unexpected like turns, and you try to see what you really like, and you find passion for it. That's awesome. So, a little more background on your real estate career. Did your parents encourage you to get into real estate? Did you have a family into real estate that helped um, you? No. Um, so, my parents are both um, engineers. They they have PhDs and come well, from. A- very um, traditional Chinese family. So, you know, they always wanted me to be an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer, you know, something like that. And so that's why I chose uh, to be a lawyer at the time because I, I wasn't really into medicine. I was like, oh, I don't know, I want to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. I'm not that interested. I was like, all right, I guess that's the only choice. <laughs> um, so, and then, but they did, you know, invest in real estate, obviously, and take me to open house as a child. And I was always very into it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, at first, you know, everyone was like, are you crazy? You know, are, are you going to just, you don't have any experience. You have, you're so young, you know, mm-hmm. how can you do this? So, I mean, it was, everyone was pretty doubtful of me at first, but I had to prove mm-hmm. myself. You did prove yourself, you know, you, you accomplished a lot in the last eight years. And we want to talk a little bit more about your accomplishments too, because we understand you're in a couple of TV shows. <laughs> Definitely want to hear more about the experience and how that, how that all happened and unfolded. Um, yeah, I've done, I've done a um, million dollar listing a couple of times. It was pretty cool. They, you know, they reached out to me 
Um, and I, I filmed scenes with like Madison, Josh, mm-hmm. and um, Josh Allman and Josh Flagg in the past. Mm-hmm. But you know, like, they film all the scenes and then they cut it down to like, you know, like 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> you film for like an entire day or like hours and then it's like 10 seconds. Yeah. Or whatever. But it's uh, pretty interesting because um, even though it's like reality TV, it is like semi scripted, like mm-hmm. not scripted, but they will be like, you know, let, let's reshoot that scene again. It would be funnier if you did it this way or like your mic wasn't doing it doing that well like do it again so it's like <laughs> i remember we did like the same scene like 10 times and it was getting so awkward and not natural at that point because i was like do it again and again and still like crack the same joke <laughs> <laughs> man i gotta laugh at joke 10 times <laughs> that's very funny how you felt like your experience on the tv show helped your real estate career or was it more towards that your real estate career was very strong before you went on the show I'm, I mean, I guess both. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say that my 10 second appearance on Million Dollar Listing got me like new clients or anything like that. You know, it's cool. Obviously it was really fun. Like some of my clients and friends texted me like, oh my God, I just saw you on the show. And it was just like, kind of like a legitimacy, like, oh, you're good enough or cool enough to be on the show. But obviously like, yeah, unless you're going to be like the main character on the show, you're probably not going to get like phone calls and leads from it, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like a fun experience, though. I mean, yeah, it was definitely fun and really cool, and um, yeah, and like the the guys on the show are, um, you know, they're all like totally different in person too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have like their show persona, and like I've done a deal before with uh, James and David and Mauricio. Awesome. In person, they're like totally casual and chill. <laughs> they all have like their own personality that they have to show. This <laughs> TV persona, right? I mean, just diving deep into some of the. The, the contracts and sales you got into while you're still in college. That's amazing, you know? Like, what kind of hurdles did you have to overcome at the very beginning? Because I know for a fact, statistically, most realtors drop out after their first year of being a full-time realtor. And here you are eight years later. Like, what can you learn from you in that experience? Yeah, I would say that um, I think I just, I worked really hard, obviously, and I put a lot of time into it. But mm-hmm. I also tried to figure out what I was good at and concentrate on that versus, um, you know, like you always obviously compare yourself to your colleagues and peers. Mm-hmm. Like I, I try to find people to look up to, but I, instead of copying them, I try to like take, take ideas from like all the top producing agents. Yeah. Take and the good ones. Ideas <laughs> together and then like put a Jamie twist on it and make it my own. Mm-hmm. Like you really have to find your own kind of niche and what you're good at and mm-hmm. how you find yourself. You know, um, and it's different for everyone. I think it's all about being consistent and just mm-hmm. finding that. Yeah. It's really good advice, too, because I know, like, success does leave clues, you know. So especially in real estate, you never really have to reinvent the wheel. Someone else already did it. But at the same time, if you come out as a copy of someone else's business, you're not going to do as well. Exactly. You're going to have to ha- add your own flavor, your own personality into it. And also, it also creates passion, too, because what's, what's so great about copying someone else's business, you know? Like, exactly. And it makes it more, like, enjoyable and easy to stay on top of your task if it's something exactly. that you actually like and enjoy doing. Definitely. So let's talk about your first, first real estate t- transaction that you closed, you know? How old are you at the time? What year are you in college? And how, yeah. how did it go? So I was, I was in my senior year at, in college when I got my mm-hmm. license. I was 20 years old. Um, I mean, it was crazy. I, I, the first, like, I think two, maybe the first two leads I got were from blogging. Wow. 
So, I mean, at the time, I didn't have any money or anything, mm. literally. And um, I was like, what do I do, you know? So, and then it was funny because, like, I joined my company, my manager, he was pretty old-fashioned. He was like, you got to go hit the streets, <laughs> knock, um, for cold call, like, send mailers, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, you can't sell uh, homes sitting behind your computer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, but I'm like a 20-year-old little girl. Like, I don't want to go. I'm scared to go, like, knock on people's doors. And, mm-hmm. like, it's intimidating. And it's not, like, it's kind of, like, intrusive. It's not fun for me, you know? So I was like, I don't know. So I started my real estate blog. I just, you know, I would, did, like, a blog spot. Mm-hmm. And I would just talk about, like, what I went to four open houses today. Here's what I saw, what I liked about the house, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I would just talk about what I did that day or anything. Or here's a cool building that I, downtown. I really like it for this reason. Here's a picture mm-hmm. of the pool. Um, this is a park in the city, whatever. And I started mm-hmm. blogging. And believe it or not, I actually got a couple of leads from it. And I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. Like, I blogged about a building and then someone saw it. And they're like, I want to buy in this building. And I, I ended up selling them something in a different building. But <laughs> it actually worked. Yeah, you can sell homes from behind your computer. Mm -hmm. I was like, I proved it. So at the time, too, in 2012, um, most realtors weren't really using social media. They weren't doing Instagram, Mm -hmm. Facebook, and barely anyone was doing blogging. Like there was a site that realtors used to use called Active Rain. Mm -hmm. Posted on there. I don't know. I haven't checked recently. I don't know if it's still like an active community, but it was like a big blogging real estate community. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I started just doing everything I could that was free. Mm-hmm. I didn't have money and then I started kind of building a brand for myself and building a name mm-hmm. for myself and obviously I had I definitely faced a lot of rejection I would meet people mm-hmm. you know, like wow you're so young they wouldn't tell me that but you know I'd yeah. show them the house I'd never hear from them again and you know it happened mm-hmm. but obviously certain people trusted me because of the way I conducted myself and the way that I was mm-hmm. able to provide them guidance and information mm-hmm. so you know one transaction after another you know once you get more uh, experience under your belt it gets easier mm-hmm. to like retain clients definitely <laughs> that's awesome i mean if, it's a great lesson here too you really have to put yourself out there you know yeah. i think mean, that's the biggest fear with not just real estate but anything you do it's like you're not gonna find these these leads these these deals are not gonna magically magically come to you you have to put yourself out there and create that brand and you also bring a really good point too you know there's so many free resources out there that you can leverage when you first begin that you don't necessarily have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars to like create your brand or do this amazingly. There's resources out there to for cheap, make your website really cheap too, and blogging, social media accounts. Podcasts like this. Or podcasts, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, those are really, really good advice. And the fact that you're able to overcome rejection and get over that that's 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 really remarkable at a young age you know i think coming from an asian background like like you and i rejection it doesn't come to it doesn't it's not natural for us it's like mm, this hurts you know yeah. people give up but in real yeah. estate and anything else you do it's a numbers game yeah you know the more people you talk to you the more likely you can close a deal and the more people you talk to you you shape your branding to fit your clientele that you want to sell to. Yeah. You know? Totally. I mean, at the beginning, I would get down on myself, you know, when I faced yeah. But eventually, I just, you know, I learned to just not even care about it or think about it. Exactly. Like, uh, it's like, you know, I, I'm at the point where I feel like now that I've built my confidence, I feel that I only want to work with clients that want to work with me anyway, right? Exactly. I'm not 
try to force someone to be my client. So if they don't mm. like me or how I, how young I am or whatever, then mm. that's fine. You know, there's a lot of agents out there and there's a lot of clients out there and I want to focus my mm. time on people that appreciate me and my skills. Definitely. We love the abundance mindset that you have too. You know, you're not caught up with some with a handful of clients. You're always looking bigger. You're always thinking bigger. You know, there's a lot of opportunities out there, but most of the time we're kind of limited by our own personal beliefs. Yeah. But it's crazy, right? When you think bigger, the results are bigger. And it's funny too, because when I first began real estate, I wasn't wasn't a real estate agent. I was a real estate flipper. Mm. I had to overcome my fair share of rejections. But after a while, it becomes sort of like a game, you know? It's like, how many people can I talk to to get someone to say yes? And to most of the time, to your surprise, when you talk to random strangers, my case is like, hey, would you want to sell me your house? <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit more awkward, you know? You're like, want to sell me my, your house for like a really low price? <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually had this guy open the door. It was like an older, uh, older gentleman. He put his hand on my shoulder and says, kid, we don't see hustlers like yourself anymore. I was like, oh, wow, like, that's amazing, you know? And you get praised yeah. by someone. And that makes you feel good. It gives you momentum to continue pushing forward. So don't be scared. You know, most of the time when you door knock these people, you're never ever going to see them again. <laughs> you know? and yeah, you, that's totally true. Yeah. And if you do, you don't remember who they are. You talk to so many people. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. I mean, personally, door knocking isn't for me. That's why I was saying, like, you got to find what you like. But door yeah. knocking definitely works. I mean, it works in obviously flipping properties but it also works for agents too i have a lot of agent friends that door knock and cold call every single week consistently like 10 15 yeah. hours and they get a lot of leads from it but you know yeah. they like they enjoy doing that and that's what mm -hmm. works for them so it's it's just all about finding what works for you and everyone's definitely different definitely agree with that statement guys and jamie like definitely agree with that statement find what works for you there's so many strategies in real estate you don't have to be pigeonhole, pigeonhole into anything you find anything that fits your personality the best and that's how you're going to succeed you know so jamie do you have any funny stories of being a realtor that you want to share with us oh man i have a lot of funny stories um one time i was showing like a it was like a 15 million dollar house wow to a you know very wealthy client obviously and then um he well first he was like he called me i went mm -hmm. to pick him up at his hotel um, he's like, can you pick me up? I was like, sure, no problem. I went to pick him up at his hotel. I call him. I'm waiting. He doesn't come out. It's like an hour later. He calls oh me. Gosh. Sorry, I overslept. You know, like time. <laughs> and I'm like, oh damn, this is not starting off good. And like the agents, obviously, like you know, it takes a really long time to prepare like a 15 million dollar house for a showing. So yeah. he's been hours waiting and preparing. And then I'm like, I'm so sorry. It's like I'm really sorry. I'm coming. I'm coming. And finally, he finally comes down. Mm -hmm. And then. He's like, actually, I'm not going to go in your car because I'm bringing some friends with me. I'm like, okay. So then, like, Willow comes, and then there's, like, 12 girls inside. <laughs> yeah. And they're, like, all beautifully dressed and everything <laughs> decked out. And I'm like, okay. So, like, we go to the house, and then we're like, <laughs> I go to the show, and I'm like, hi, this is my client. And then he's like, I bought some friends. And they, like, one by one come out and go into the house. And it was just like, it was just the craziest experience. Really, really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Where's this house located at? It was in Beverly Hills. Okay. Does that typically happen <laughs> with clients? That, with the oh, yes. 
typically happen. Um, but that was like one crazy story. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what else is a crazy story. I had a, I had a client who like bought like a six million dollar house in mm-hmm. Beverly, also like sight unseen, and then mm-hmm. he uh, he didn't like come. He came to pick up the keys, and then. Mm-hmm away he's like can you pick me up at the airport i'm like sure of course and then we're driving to the house and he's like can you take me to the porsche dealership on the way what, <laughs> what? and he's like i need to buy a car on the way <laughs> <laughs> the porsche dealership and then he's like can you help me negotiate the car and then because english wasn't that good and i was like all right and then i had to like negotiate the car for him it was like <laughs> i was like all right, that's a closing gift <laughs> that's pretty funny though that mean when you're doing clients like that high end uh, it's just my curiosity too i heard i was talking to other like luxury real estate agents told me that when clients purchase these no dollar houses like 15 or higher they typically purchase it all cash and like don't even go to like a mortgage or anything is that true i mean it's true um once you get over like five probably five million or so it's mm-hmm. Typically, mostly all cash. I mean, it's not not many. You you could imagine what your income would have to be to qualify for like a ten million dollar loan, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, and also like, what would the interest rate be, and what lender would be willing to do that? So I mean, like, yeah, mostly it's like either private financing, and mm-hmm. most of the time it's just cash. Definitely, That's, I mean, yeah, I was talking to some other, a couple other realtors, and like, yeah, we they always buy cash. I'm like, really? But it makes sense, right? I mean, everything you just said makes a lot of sense. It's yeah, like, and then you bought like a thirty million dollar house with a thirty year loan. Like by the time you finished paying it off, you would have paid like I don't know how many times. But it'd be crazy. No enormous interest. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it didn't sound like a good deal at all. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we definitely want to um, segue into learning more about yourself. I mean, like yeah. we want to learn more about like what are your short term goals and long term goals in real estate. Yeah, definitely. So um, I think my short-term goal this year is I just want to get back to normal, hopefully, you know, get luckily in the last like three, four weeks, the market has been picking up a lot and we're doing showings again. Like I have mm. a bunch of shows lined up tomorrow. So like obviously during April, it was really slow for us and we all stuck at home and, you know, all mm. our listings on the market. So it's crazy. Like literally in the last two, three weeks, all my listings start getting called and showings again. So I'm just trying to I hope that we can get back to normal and stay on track for 2020 as we were hoping, mm-hmm. you know, and then my long-term goal is just to um, just really focus on branding myself and building my business and hopefully mm-hmm. um, eventually um, figure out some sort of team format, but I'm not okay. sure how I want that to be yet. I'm, you know, I've been doing a lot of research over the last year or so, just trying to see other teams failures and successes the way they structure it and Mm -hmm. um i don't want to jump into it too early so Mm -hmm. yeah it's good i mean talking to you i feel like you're a type of person that always been taking things at your own pace you know that's awesome true yeah i don't i think like uh, i i think like how you feel comfortable like feeling comfortable on a day-to-day basis and just your mental health and happiness is important too Mm-hmm. So obviously we always we all want to push to achieve more but you know you have to be ready for it too definitely i mean what is your biggest source of motivation what is your why you know i think um i think it's just like my parents and like just like the american dream like my parents worked so hard and they gave up everything to move to america mm-hmm. to PhDs. they had like no money they had they came on like a, a school stipend you know mm-hmm. and 
um, they've built, obviously, um, they gave me an amazing childhood and, you know, built a great life for our family. And I just want to continue their legacy and, you know, leave like a lasting impression on the world. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, you know, what kind of, I mean, most for us, my, my parents at least, like they were kind of strict on me growing up. Yeah. Also strict on you. And it seems like we gave you a lot of leeway to like pursue your passions and dreams. What was yeah. That? No, that's true. I mean, um, my parents were definitely very strict when I was little. Like, you know, I, I barely ever went out with my friends. Like, you know, on the weekends when all my friends would go out every day, they would be like, okay, you can go out like once for like three hours and then you have to come home and do your homework. Or, <laughs> so, and they were very limited. Like I never had cable TV my entire life until I got my own place. Mm-hmm. And then like, I was like, wow, there's a world of TV out here, you know? <laughs> I didn't want to go. I, I mean, I just did a lot of like lessons, SAT classes, craziness. So, I mean, they gave me a very good education for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, they were strict, but I think now that I'm older, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. They did allow me to pursue my own passion. I mean, I, at, the, at that point, I, they were like, you're an adult. And if you feel this way, then, you know, it's not our preference, but we're going to support you, obviously, no matter what. So, and then yeah. I was, yeah, so they, they, um, they were able, they enabled me to be able to, I guess, pursue your passion, be confident enough to move forward, even though, you know, because I know that even though they did express their concerns, I know like a lot mm-hmm. of Asian parents probably would have like been like, absolutely not, you know? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. What kind of advice would you give someone who's just starting out in real estate as a real estate e- agent? You know, I would say it's all about like accountability. So, mm-hmm. you know, as a real estate agent, we don't have a boss really. You know, we don't have a timesheet. We're not reporting on what you're doing every day on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So it's really, really easy to like waste your whole day, right? Like, yeah. I mean, like, or it's like, I just want to take the day off. Should I go to the beach? Like, you know, it's easy to do that because you can. So you have to be accountable. So, I mean, whether that's a coach or even just like a colleague where you're accountable for each other or, you know, like your, your partner, your husband, wife, someone that can help you be accountable. Um, I think that's really, really important. So some, some agents find it really helpful to have like a official coach or mentor mm-hmm. um, do weekly calls and guide you. Um, other people, like I said, but for me, I like, for, I just have to at least write down my goals. So yeah. I write down my daily goals every day, my weekly goals. I have my to-do list. I check it off and I, I have mm-hmm. to do that or else, you know, I'm not able to make sure I get everything done on time. So I think accountability is like the number one thing. That's also very powerful. I do very much the same habits, you know, wake up, write my goals every day. And what that really helps is it helps you visualize what you want to be. I think going through your day, especially being in real estate and a realtor, there's so many things going on, so many emails, so many text messages that you kind of lose sight of where you're going. Yeah. So it's really important to remind yourself on a daily basis too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So 100% agree with that. If you can restart any part of your real estate career, which part would it be and why? Hmm. Restart it. Um... I mean, if I restarted the beginning of my career, then obviously I would have a lot more <laughs> knowledge now. Mm-hmm. Um, I would know like the different like things that I wasted money on marketing that didn't work for me. Or like one mistake that I made at the beginning was I would try a lot of new things, which is good, but I wouldn't give it long enough to actually have a chance. So like, for example, I got this like really expensive bus bench on like Sunset, right? <laughs> 
Prince of Bel Air. It was like a thousand dollars a month or something, and I did it for like three months. And I was like, this isn't working. You know, it like it branded myself and that people did recognize me. They're like, oh, yeah. you're the, the bus bench. So it was good. But like, mm-hmm. I was like, I didn't get a single call from it. But, you know, I didn't really know that that's not how it really works, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I like, like, I would do like a poster at like a, I don't know, like a high school football stadium or like, mm-hmm. you know, like shopping cart ad here. And then I would do them for like a few months and then I'd be like, nope, doesn't work. And I would just cancel it. Right. And then like, it took me a long time to figure out that like, you have to, do all of them for like a year before that works, you know, yeah. they all work, but you have to do it in conjunction with your branding in conjunction with each other. And mm. then like not spread yourself too thin and just choose a few, but be consistent at it. Yeah. I, I definitely like wasted a bunch of my first commission checks. on just doing random stuff that I didn't know. Mm. I was just like, that looks good. That looks good. Just kind mm. of, some kind of ads, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, that, as long as you learn, that's the best thing. You have to kind of experiment when you're first starting out and, Especially in your case, your family wasn't really into real estate, so you had no one to really learn from. It's like experimentation, you know. Yeah. Like, so it's okay, you know. I think I think you you turn out you know, your business, your personal branding is like absolutely great. You know, we all know who you are. Super excited to have you in the show, and it's funny too because I can relate to the randomness of branding. Yeah. When I first started, I would just send out mailers to different neighborhoods for like a couple of weeks. And sending sending with you, you have to have some sort of level of consistency. You have to do it over and over and over before you get one deal that makes up all the money that you spent. Exactly. You know? But as you're spending it, you're like, ow, it hurts every month. No one's calling me. What the hell? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's one of the traditional methods of marketing that I do still use is mailers. Um, yeah. And when I first started, I would do the same thing. I would like, I would sell a house in this neighborhood and I'd mail like I just sold or something and then that neighborhood and this neighborhood. And then I just like, I like, I just thought like, I want, why would I, why, why wouldn't I want to hit as many people as possible? Like, mm-hmm. and then, you know, they kept telling me like, no, you don't want to hit as many people. You want to hit 500 people, but like twice a month consistently or every week consistently. And I was like, I just didn't believe in that. Yeah. I, was, I refused to believe in that. Like more people is always better. But mm-hmm. then, you know, I had to learn the hard way and I was like, you're right. And then once I started consistently farming the same neighborhood, now I, you know, I have a brand there, I have my name there. And then when you go do the bus bench or the grocery cart ad in that neighborhood, then it correlates, mm-hmm. you know, and it all ties in together. Yeah. You have to think of it from a seller's point of view too, or a buyer's point of view. Yeah. You have to keep seeing this person over and over to build trust. Right. I think they said, I forgot how many times there's a statistic, we should look it up, but it's like, you have to view a person like, I don't know, you see their face like five or seven times before you, they actually remember it. So, you know, exactly. you literally have to be everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny too, because I do have a funny story. Uh, for a while, we had ads after, on TV. It's, it's, it's super expensive. It's like 10 grand a month. We did it for three months, but it would air in the middle of the night after divorce court. <laughs> <laughs> we got two deals from that which is pretty awesome <laughs> you know? yeah. what kind of ad was it like for it was just like, hey we're gonna go into your relationship troubles we're gonna we can buy your house no hassle free something like that you know so it actually did pay for itself <laughs> then, what, 30 grand for three months i was like damn that's so expensive you know <laughs> that was funny it was it was a good experiment was it put us into interesting situations because uh, some of the couples were getting divorced, and what happened was the other couple agreed to sell to us. We had half ownership of the house, but the other side didn't want to sell to us. So we just owned oh, the house. That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> just like, 
All right. It's gonna yeah, be... In the end, did they finally agree? Yeah, it took a year. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's what's crazy is sometimes I um, I deal with divorce, you know, situations. Yeah. And it's really tough um, when they don't agree. Like, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes one person wants to sell, and the other person wants to stay there, but they can't afford it by themselves. So, yeah. you know, have a choice. Yeah. And I've always dealt with um, one time I had a listing where it was – like the the parents bought it for these two brothers, like fifty fifty, mm-hmm. and then um, one brother wanted to sell, and the other brother didn't want to sell, and it was so complicated. Like even though he agreed and he signed, like halfway through the escrow, he kept like wanting to back out and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like anytime there's like two family members, it can get it can get tricky sometimes. Yeah, I mean, what you learn in real estate is that it's very creative. It's a very creative feel, you know. It's not like it's white and black. It's like super gray most of the time. Definitely. And every time it's like new. It's like always somehow like something that you never could imagine. <laughs> like a different combination of two things yeah. you know. You're like, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> so yeah. Hey, Jamie, um, what kind of, what's your favorite book, podcast, or any other mediums that you draw inspiration from? Hmm, that's a good question. Well, Sadly, like I get really, I like watch a lot of reality TV. So like knowing <laughs> um, all listing, like HGTV mm-hmm. or even like cooking shows, everything like that just like inspires me. And I want to be, I just want to, I love, I, I'm always, I've always grown up like looking up to people. So I always like try to find people that I look up to and just try to figure out how to be like them. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anyone that you look up to currently? Um, well, I look up, I really look up to, um, Frederick from Million Dollar Listing New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think he's like so cool. Like he's so true to himself and his own mm-hmm. personality and he is never afraid to be himself and show everyone who he is, but he's still like obviously super professional, super successful. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Shout out to Frederick. You know, hopefully you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jamie, how can we find out more about you and reach out to you? Um, you can reach out to me on Instagram. My uh, Instagram handle is just Jamie Tian, J-A-M-I-E-T-I-A-N. And that's also my email address, jamietian at gmail.com. So those are probably the easiest ways to reach out. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. <laughs>